It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour as part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans, and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Forest Street, and as you probably know by now, if you've ever heard the show during the summer, Wayfair is the home of Not Your Mama's Frosé, which is spelled F-R-O-S-E with a thing over the top of it. It's a French word, and it's a perfect summer drink made with dry rosé, vodka, Saint-Germain, Peixos, bitters, lemon juice, and a house-made strawberry basil syrup. In fact, Thomas, who is our technical director, already had one and spilled it over the equipment today. How, how much did you rescue before it all <laughs> spilled? Uh, it was worth every drop. It was, you rescued say, yeah. most of it, right? Even, even on my professional compromise. <laughs> all right. So, everybody, welcome to Happy Hour. Rachel Dangermond is here, a return guest from... When was the last time you were on Happy Hour, Rachel? Years. It was years ago when we were still at Casa Borrega. Yes. And you brought your son with you, Tin. Yes. Spelt T-I-N. Yes. Who's still, who's come back with you today. Yes, he is. And how old was he then? That will give us a clue as to how long ago that was. I think he was about six or something like that. And now he's 20. 10. Oh, he's 10. Going on 40. So so that was uh, about four years ago. Well, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to see you it's again. good to be back. And Aaron Benjamin from Aaron Benjamin Music is here. Aaron, pleased to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And thank you for not sending me a bio. <laughs> My apologies. What were you... How long ago did you write me an email and said, I'll send you a bio so you'll know something about me? Yesterday. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. And, you, and when you said, I'll do that, I think you said the next hour, did you say that? Or I said, I'll get it to you as soon as possible. As soon as possible. So what happened? Uh, I don't know, man. I've got a lot going on. I had work and... Uh, what I are you working on besides being a superstar? Well, I actually, uh, I, I love uh, giving food tours uh, in the city, both in the Lower Garden District and in the uh, French Quarter, uh, taking people to new restaurants and sort of giving them... Uh, a ideal uh, New Orleans culinary experience. You do this out of the goodness of your heart? No, this is this is you, something that I've been doing. You. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How do you, people find you? Uh, well, I, I do that through a company called Sidewalk Food Tours. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's something I just started doing, but I really enjoy it because I mean, so much of what I love about New Orleans is is the food. Uh, and well, when, that goes for almost everybody here. Yeah, though. absolutely. And I mean, so, when I when I have friends come and visit me from out of town, you know. Um, it's basically just we, we run the gamut of, of restaurants and, and seeing music at night. Yeah, but me too. So how did you get this job? Could I go get one? I'm sure you could. Really? Yeah, What absolutely. does it pay? What do you get paid to take people around to restaurants? Oh, man. Do you, get, do you get kickbacks from restaurants? Yeah. Well, no. I get paid from the, uh, the company and then right. I get uh, paid from the, the guests on the tour. Okay. And I'll, uh, I'll leave the amount. Uh, All right. We won't have to have a real dollar amount. But do you get kickbacks from restaurants? Do you take them to particular no, no, restaurants no. and they, they don't? Probably the only tour guide in America that doesn't get a kickback. <laughs> or the world, actually, I right. would say. And listen, Kenny Bellow is here as well. Kenny, good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Do you guys know who Kenny Bellow is? He's an actual hero. No. Yes. <laughs> Not just a sort of a hero who plays a hero in the movies or a guy who you call a hero like, you know, your dad. He's an actual hero who rescued over 400 people after Hurricane Katrina in a boat. Wow. You remember wow. that boat that was outside on Jackson Square and the, outside the museum? That was Kenny's boat that became part of the wow. national. I, did, I didn't know you knew all that. I knew it all because I <laughs> Googled your name. It's the ah. first thing that comes up. Okay. What would you like to come up first? Uh, well, that's, that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. It the, is? The boat. Yeah, the boat's a pretty good one. 
Yeah. So, so you're it's a real. It's something that's. It was a. It was a marker. You know, a good signpost in my life. That was a, a major, life-changing event. I would yeah. think. Yeah, it, it, it changed my life uh, 180 degrees. It, it put me on a path that I I didn't know I was going to be on. Um, you know, some dark times after that, of what, course. But. What path were you on before that? You were already a sort of a superhero. I, I, so, <laughs> um, I think most people would describe me as a, as a renaissance man, and that's kind of a, a, a flashy way to say that I've been fired from every job I've ever had. <laughs> um, but I've worked in every industry. I've worked, uh, you know, in the oil industry, in the restaurant industry. I've, I was a CCIM in, in commercial real estate. I've CCIM? Sold, what does yeah, that stand for? Yeah, commercial, certified commercial investment member. Oh, so um, you were a real estate agent? I was. Commercial. Yeah. Um, oh, you have done everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. And, but you name it. All that was to supplement my bicycle racing career. And so I spent, uh, since I was 18, I've been racing at the highest level I could get to. Um, I came up through the 90s racing against all those famous names that uh, that had to make confessions over the last several years. And, about doping. And uh, Yeah, about doping, yeah. And, um, you know, I raced against all those guys, and, and I, well, I, 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 I sleep well at night. <laughs> do you race against Lance Armstrong? Yeah. Did you ever beat him? Uh, you know, there's... Somebody had sent me a, a result a while ago that, uh, several years ago, where, where my name was in front of Lance's, but I think it was just the start it's alphabetical. list. alphabetical. It was, yeah, but, well, my, well he's, he's A and oh, I'm B, but point. I believe oh, yeah. it was just the start list, but Lance so, was real jerky. <laughs> did you know that he was, did everybody in the bicycle world know that he was cheating? Well, we heard it really early on. Um, that he was. We heard it like really early, like when he was 17. You know, when he was 17, his mother had gone to New York and got him a an agent. And, you know, he had Wall Street money coming his way when he was a teenager. Um, he was he was bigger than big just because of his, his attitude and his brashness and all. Um, anyway, he had, you know, from all his confessions and and all that, uh, you know, we, we've learned a lot more. Um, back then, it was just speculation. It, it, he would come to the race, and we would all be signing our name on the paper, uh, the waivers. And he would stand on a chair and look around and say, I'll beat all these guys by two minutes. And he'd beat us by three. <laughs> and he would do that, you know, as we were registering. And so you thought people, that was just confidence at the time? Or uh, well, I, I didn't steroids. like him. I didn't like him because anyone, of it. Did anyone like him? Not really. No, he was, you know, he was always like that. It was, it was you know, you heard a lot of, uh, from his teammates, you heard a lot, well, he's an asshole, but he's my asshole. Right. You know, and, and a lot of teams had somebody like that. And um, what, what sort of teams are you on on this thing? Is it like... I was on a, I was on a regional team here based in, in Mississippi and Louisiana called Herring Gas. And, it's uh, got the word gas in it? Yeah. Uh, herring, herring gas. Herring and, um, gas. Yeah, yeah, herring like the bird. And, and is gas. this a gas company? A gas company, and it was a you know it was a marketing scheme for this company to to just have their name out there. You know, bicycle racing. It's it was very innocent back then. It was very um, uh, grassroots. And did Herring Gas pay you, or did you have to? Uh, the team, Herring Gas paid the team, and then the team right. paid for you know pretty much everything. Would we you needed. say you would have made more money than a food tour guide? <laughs> Or about the same. I do uh, one of the one of the many things of being a Renaissance man. I do bicycle tours. You so, do, uh, yeah. Have you run, uh, come across the bicycle I'm, tours, Aaron? Well, I see the pedicabs all the time. Yeah, I have friends that uh, that do or used to be pedicabs. 
It's a pretty. Well, that would be a bit of a come down from being but a national is, um, cycling champion to my, my tours. So I've I've had um, one time the one of the big river boats. Uh, this group had had rented out an entire paddle wheeler. The the um, uh, the Matches. American Queen, maybe okay. the Creole Queen. The Creole Queen. They came down from Memphis, and so we met them. My wife and I met them at at the dock, and we had two hundred tandems, so <laughs> four hundred people on a Monday morning at eight a.m. And we, we no police protection or anything. We we you, brought them down to the ninth ward, and that? yeah. Where did you find two hundred tandems? I didn't. They found me. They said we're coming to New Orleans, and we'd like you know somebody. And they just Googled New Orleans cyclists, and my name popped up. And the guy asked me, "Hey, can you give us a tour?" And I said, "Sure." So I took them on a little quick Katrina tour, but it was four four hundred people on two hundred bikes, and uh, yeah, it was. Chaos. That's interesting because that's the same number of people you rescued allegedly from. Oh yeah, <laughs> one for each, and yeah. four is my lucky number. Four is your four? lucky number. Oh yeah, really? Well, how did you come to four, Rachel? I don't know. It just came to me. How did it come to you though? Were you born on the fourth or? No, I was actually born on the second. So double. Double my birthday. Second of what? Yeah. May. Second of May. Okay. I'm a, I'm a jazz fest baby. <laughs> so how did you get four as a lucky number? I don't know. It's always just stuck with me. It's my Has lucky it, number. And does it work? If I make it work, yeah. Okay. I have to make it work. How do you make luck work? Because that would be a handy thing to know. I think that you look for an opportunity and you say, wow, that's a four. And four <laughs> is my lucky number. So this works. Okay. Right? Yeah. So it's selective, is what you It's say. selective it's not luck, really, yes. Right. It's not really working. So I see you have a Booker Fest yes, t-shirt on, absolutely. which is awesome, which has got yeah. James Booker's my, face on it. Yeah. And you're the organizer of Booker Fest, yeah, as yeah, I understand yeah, it. Yeah. Since I last saw you um, years ago. Four years ago. Four years, right? Okay, so. That was the last time I saw you, I think. I thought I'd seen you on the street at one point. Yes, it's true. But other than that, you've been gone. Yeah. Remember, I was doing all sorts of stuff. I'm a writer. You were working for Mayor Landrieu. I was working for Mayor Landrieu. I was doing a lot of facilitation around race and equity. How do you remember that Mayor Landrieu's name even? Right. Yeah, what were you doing for him? I was uh, facilitating conversations in the community on race and equity. And I was writing a lot about um, race and equity and transracial parenting and stuff like that. All right. And, um, and then I, um, a year ago, went to Mississippi and bought an African-American landmark um, and historic music venue. And um, I That's opened- a kind of sentence you don't hear that often. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. one of the few standing buildings on the Mississippi Blues Trail. And um, What's it called? The 100 Men Hall. 100 Men Hall. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a weird sentence. I went to Mississippi and bought an African-American landmark. Well, first of all, why did you go to Mississippi in the first place? Well, I was going to Bay St. Louis a lot because a friend of mine had a house there. And um, he would say, why don't you intend to go use the house this weekend? I'm not using it. You know, you have to go to the beach. So we'd do that. And then I had writers groups meeting at my house. And so I'd bring the writers over there and we'd do writers So you take a bunch of writers to this guy's house. Yeah. This beach house in Mississippi. That's uh-huh. a nice, yeah. nice thing to do. So it was fun. And so then I thought, the beach there? I said, so I want to live here. And so I called my you friend. Did. And she said, of course you want to live there. It's the beach. Everyone wants to live on the beach. But that's not real life. And I said, no, I really want to live here. And um, I wanted to do writers' workshops. And a friend sent me the link to this blues hall that was for sale. And so I walked in one day and I said, this is what I want to do. And so I bought it, but I had no idea what was going on with that place. Did it you is, have a commercial real estate agent like Kenny Hookio? I didn't. I had a friend, and he didn't believe what I was doing. He just thought, okay, Rachel, you know, wants to do this. And, Seems um, like a crazy thing to do. It was a crazy thing. Probably not a good investment, was no, it? Right, none of that. But 
Um, it has been um, the greatest adventure of my life. It's, um, it brings all of my skills together. So I have a writer's workshop once a month, and then I run the nonprofit that was started in 1895 associated with the hall. So, and we do music events. And we do community events, and we've done, we, we have everything. So. Nothing sounds more boring than a writer's workshop. Oh, please. What, what it is, is that? It is not. When what, you what have happens? a, well, it's, it's a memoir writing workshop, right? So you come in and you spill your darkest secrets, and suddenly what? I know a grant that I never knew before. Why would anyone do that? Because you're just compelled to. It's like AA or something. It's better than AA. What, what goes on? So people get up and say, my name's Grant, I'm a writer. And then no, no, no. And I tell I you. I kind of I, I like, you know, um, kind of massage the crowd. And then I give you a topic. And then you go write on it. And then we all come back and we read what we wrote. This is on the same day. Surprised. On the same night. At, at, at the same time. Right. So you say, we will get there. What time of the day is this happening? One to five every fourth Saturday. One to five in the afternoon? Yes. Okay, so I get there one o'clock and you say, today's subject, is what was last week's subject? For Change. Change, mm-hmm. okay. So when we, how many people would be there, say, all of us? All of y'all would be here. Okay. I'm, I'm also okay, a writer. All right, You're a writer as so, well? What do you write, Kenny? I, I, so about my Katrina story, I'm you know, well into the manuscript for a book, um, but it's, the, the story was so depressing, I just kept put it, putting it down, so... But, uh, yeah, I could use somebody like you. But, no, but, like, so, Kenny, you'd show up, and I'd say we're going to write about change. You'd spend an hour just writing, just, you know, stream of consciousness. You'd come back and read what you wrote. And you would surprise yourself about what you were talking about. Hmm. Maybe your Katrina stuff would be coming up. Maybe it'd be something just happened. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. And then what happens? We read what we've written, and okay. then we write again, and we do it again. Yeah, it's great. So Thank everyone you. reads what the – how many people are going to this thing? Um, I only let 10 people come to the okay. class at a time. So there's 10 people. Right. And everyone reads what they wrote. Mm. And then is it published ever? It could be. I mean, I published. I, I wrote um, a continuous series of essays called I Didn't Know How to Be the Mother of a Black Son. Well, yeah, that, that was and a blog I remember reading. That wasn't was it? a blog. I had a, I had a blog, a but that was a series of essays that I wrote that became one essay. And that was through this kind of writing. Okay. It's just a kind of a, it's like going to um, uh, exercise class. You know, you're just working that muscle and working it, working it, working it. And so then when you go home and you're working on your book, you're like, whoa, something came up in that and I can use that. So are these people who are all living in Mississippi and Bay St. Louis? No, there's people they from people New Orleans. people come from all over. Right. Mm-hmm. So people come from New Orleans especially for this? Yeah, or, or any of the events huh. that we have. What else do you do? He's like... What else do we do? Is well, it like okay, music? So, is it a music venue? Okay, so the 100 Men Hall is a, um, like I said, it's a landmark. And so we run a, you know, I run it through a nonprofit, right? And so we continue the sacred act of presenting live music because we had in our hall James Brown, Ray Charles, Etta James, B.B. King, Guitar Slim, Sam Cooke, Ernie Cato, Professor Longhair, and none other than James Booker. And we had um, Irma Thomas, Deacon John, lots of, uh, you know, we were, let me put it like this. They built the hall because they were um, a benevolent association in the African-American community in 1895. As you know, there was Jim Crow and segregation, and they created an organization, a nonprofit, to um, take care of their own. So they had a self-insurance for medical and burial reasons, 
and they started having picnics and giving performances to raise money for their kitty. And then they built a pavilion, and then somebody um, said, let's build a hall. They built a hall in 1922, and it happened to coincide when there was this burgeoning sound, this American sound was just coming up, which was jazz, R&B, blues, and in Bay St. Louis, it was jump blues, which was much more associated with New Orleans sound than the Delta or Hill Country blues. What, what was the racial divide like it was in black. Bay St. Louis? Were there lots of black people or hardly any black people? No, there was, there was a good amount of black people. It okay. was a majority white, but there was a lot of black people in there. I mean, obviously, Camille and Katrina has hurt that yeah, population right. like everywhere else. So back in those, what, this is 1922. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't go to, you, couldn't there were separate black and white Right. All of the people Venue. who came so to the Hunter Man Hall could not go to a white establishment. They couldn't eat in a white restaurant. Okay, they so couldn't get a, insurance. If you were a black Morocco. artist, could you play in a white establishment? No, you cannot. So, so no white people ever saw black musicians? Hardly ever. 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 Hardly ever. There were a few white people that came to the hall that's very rare. A lot of white people in Bay St. Louis didn't even know the Hunter Man Hall was there, even though it's right in the historic district. They didn't so, even understand what was going so on. So question, uh, yeah. is, this, is this venue part of like... What's like the Chitlin circuit? Yes, it is. Okay. It's on the Chitlin okay. circuit. Yeah. Cool. Is it kind of like, kind of is reminiscent to me of the, the dew drop in here Absolutely. in New Orleans? Right. Well, actually, what happened was, you know, we were getting these travelers, these black musicians traveling through the South, but as New Orleans became to be more of a hub, at the dew drop in, the guy would come out and he'd go, okay, I need a drummer, I need a bass player, and I need a guitar player. I need y'all to get to the Hunter Man Hall for 10 o'clock. You got a show tonight. And so we were on that same circuit. And actually, when the big acts would play New Orleans, they'd come over and they, would, they got very popular for their Monday dances. Um, but it was more than that. Like, so it was, a, it was like the dew drop in, right? A music venue, seeing incomparable musical genius there, right? Hotel. Right. But it was more than that. It became an energy center for black life in that area. If you were black, you went there for all of your entertainment, for your social life, for your community activism, for everything. So if I'm like a 10-year-old kid, I'd walk in there and I'd see my parents, my grandparents. Um, you know, I hear all sorts of stories. I go through town and somebody at a grocery store will say, oh, my God, I climbed in through the men's bathroom back there because I wasn't allowed in. I was too young. And I heard Etta James or, you know, I came in under my brother's legs. And, you know, everybody was trying, they were clamoring to get in. So it was a very... Are you the was, first white person to have owned this? No. In 1982, the organization called the 100 Members Debating Benevolent Association, which is the name of the nonprofit these men started in 1894. Um, that nonprofit... Um, went until 1982 and they sold it for the first time it changed from black to white hands and it was bought by the disabled veterans of america and they did bingo and all sorts of stuff like that and then a couple from georgia bought it and they were going to make an art gallery out of it and um then katrina hit and um there was a right of entry where fema could tear it down there happened to be a california couple living there and he was a musician and a historical renovator and he freaked out when he saw that they were going to destroy it. And um, he called the Georgia couple and asked if he could buy it from them. And when he did, they found out from the state that that nonprofit originally started in 1894 was in existence, in good standing. So it was a 501c3, and that's what runs the hall today. It was what crazy. a wacky story. It's a wacky so story. So do you actually own the property? Um, yes, I do. I live so in you, it. The you last, live there? The last oh couple... Goodness. The last couple who did this, they got it and they renovated it. 
they opened it in 2012. Deacon John came out for the opening. And um, they built on a two-bedroom apartment to the back of the hall. And so um, that's how I was able to sell my house here in New Orleans, and my son and I that's moved there. Live in Mississippi. Yeah. Live in okay. Yeah. Do you book white musicians or only black musicians? I do both. You do both? Mm-hmm. Any chance you could book Aaron Benjamin? Sure. <laughs> would, you like, would you like to hear him play something Absolutely. for him as an audition? Yeah. I'd love to. Let's hear it. Yeah, what do you think? You, you could yeah. do an audition now? Yeah. I'm going to go get a beer. You want to get a beer? Yeah, well, actually, bring me maybe one or? Jill can get you a beer, our photographer. I don't Doubles know. as a waitress. I think I'm going to take well, off my headphones for this. Okay. So listen, Aaron, tell us something. Because if people don't know who you are, <laughs> how would you describe your music? I, I've, got, I've got my def- description. What's yours? I would say uh, it's a combination of a lot of influences pre and post moving to New Orleans. Okay. So... Growing up, it was hugely influenced by classic rock and roll and also Motown. I'm from Detroit, and so hugely influenced by um, Stevie Wonder and um, you know, Michael Jackson, um, but also equally influenced by Zeppelin and The Who and The Stones. Um, I sort of did grow up on New Orleans music in a way, but not really identifying it with New Orleans so much as just music that my dad introduced me to. It's like the Meters and the the Neville Brothers. Um, But it wasn't until I moved to New Orleans that brass bands really came into the equation. What made you move here? Well, I was deciding where to go to school is is the situation that I was in. And I was basically choosing between the University of Michigan um, and Tulane. Was it food-based at that point? It was not food. Well, it kind of partially was. I mean, just my entire experience in New Orleans just blew me away. And I actually... Had you been here before you moved here? Well, I had visited with my dad, okay. who also went to Tulane, and so okay. he got to show me New Orleans, and it was a very cool experience for him to show me New Orleans for the first time. Did you find out something about your dad that you didn't know when he took you? I mean, it just it actually really just um, added clarity to my understanding of him already. Um, I grew up, and my parents would go to Jazz Fest every year and leave me at home with, like, grandparents, <laughs> you know? And now I understand why they didn't want to take me and my sister. And, you know, they'd have a weekend in New Orleans and, and do their right. thing. But, um, yeah, I was blown away the first time I came to New Orleans. And I actually got my acceptance letter to the University of Michigan via email my first morning in New Orleans. So I started the day like, this is incredible. This has sort of been a huge goal of mine my entire life. You know, I grew up in Michigan. So getting into Michigan, that was like the plan, you know. Right. And uh, so I started the day like, I don't even need to do a campus tour because, like, I'm going to Michigan. I'm just here on vacation. You know, and throughout the course of the day, I mean, we ate incredible food. Um, we went to Camellia Grill. We went to uh, Giacomo's for dinner. And uh, did you start drinking early in the day? You know, it's so funny because like I didn't I didn't drink that much in high school, but my dad was like getting me beers. Like the whole the whole experience felt very uh, coming of age. Like like right. the entire thing. You this know? was one day. One, I'm, well, I mean, this it was would be two a days. good story for it, yeah yeah it was two days for your writing workshop well it's funny I, cause, well shit see this isn't the song I was going to play uh, but I, I wrote a song very soon after called Good Morning New Orleans which was sort of uh, 
Are you going to play that? Yeah, I mean, I guess yes, I have to you have now, to you know? <laughs> I guess That's I a great no song. Okay. I'm always resistant to playing it because I've been playing it for so long, you know? I mean, I wrote that when I moved here. I was, I was 18 years old, but it is a meaningful song, and I guess given the context of everything that I just... Well, that's the trouble with being a musician, though, isn't it? You write something like a great song, and you have to keep on playing it. Right, I mean, it, it, our, is it driving our t-shirts, you crazy our t-shirts say good morning, New Orleans, too, so I'm, I'm a... Are you I already, keep are you already sick of the song already? In a way, but, I mean, it, it's a sort of nostalgia also, so, like... I'm sick of it uh, in the same way that like you would get sick of like Free one bird. of your mom your wife <laughs> in, in, in like one of your mom's favorite dishes you know like like you, if you're having it every week as a kid you're like right. I'm sick of this but then you know you move away and then you crave that dish you know just how, like a similar how do you deal with it though I mean you look at these bands that have gone on and on and on like the Rolling mm-hmm. Stones or James Taylor I hit James Taylor playing Carolina in my mind the other night right I'm like wow how many times must and by the way I think James this? Taylor is one of the greatest songwriters to ever live. I mean, he's, he's, I was on tour alone, like a solo acoustic tour, and I was driving in my car through Mississippi, and I swear to God, I could show you this on my phone. I was making a note, like notes on my phone, essentially outlining an essay for why James Taylor is the greatest uh-huh. songwriter of all time. And I was like, I was like formulating these arguments in my mind. So that's funny that, that you mentioned what that. Because yeah, he plays Carolina in my mind every night of his life, right? Yeah, for like and it still sounds beautiful. And it sounds like he really loves playing it. Of course, it. because when you write, when you write a song, well, I don't know what the secret is, but I know that with James Taylor, you know, James Taylor's whole thing is that he's capturing imagery in, in his writing. You know, he's painting pictures that you, that you can visualize in your head I think a great example of this song, it's a song that I fell asleep to as a little kid and I would have my parents come into my bedroom and switch the tape, but like Sweet Baby James, you know, right. every, every song, um, the first verse, you know, there is a young cowboy who lives on the, on the range, his horse and his cattle are his only companions, you're, you're imagining this. The second verse, or like, like think about the chorus, sweet, uh, uh, deep greens and blues are the colors I choose. Uh, second verse, the first of September was covered with snow, so was the turnpike. You know, he, he's just painting pictures in your mind. Um, and that's why his, his work is timeless and he can play a song every single night because there's nothing unpleasant about that picture that he's painting. You know, and there's, oh, that's interesting. I mean, that, you know, for a that's listener... That's the secret of the longevity of yeah, his music yeah, is that know, it's all nice? Well, no, no, because, I mean, he's talking about pain, too. I mean, Fire and Rain is a, as tragic of a song as can exist, right? But he's creating an image that's accessible for everyone, regardless of your own position and understanding of the song he's making an he's image that you teller. can connect to he's, he's a, a storyteller story right and absolutely. everybody loves and that's stories. something i strive for in, in my writing absolutely mm-hmm. yeah that's something i've grown up on okay well that's a pretty good introduction to the song good morning New <laughs> yeah. Orleans. yeah i guess so i'm gonna uh well here how's this sound in the headphones Hit it. Oh. Now i'm gonna take off my headphones okay. i feel a little detached from y'all now but Thinking a lot about what I want and what I got, you know. The world's been real good to me so far. But to say that I'm satisfied ain't right. When I'm lying awake in the middle of the night, I see myself waking up in a town where I can change the world with this guitar. So good on the new world is. Sun is smiling on your face And would you mind saying Little place for me 
can feel it in my bones This crescent city The place I gotta be So set me free Hey, hey, what's that you say? Gonna put me on an airplane And fly far away another day Think about the life I left behind Yeah when I touch down, I'm gonna head downtown and introduce me to the streets that are all mine now and hear the sound of a city's heart that beats. Oh, in perfect time, we're born in New Orleans. The sun is smiling on your face, and you master a little place for me. I wasn't not expecting. I literally came in here today. I'm like, I'm gonna play any song other than song like that. <laughs> yeah. That, well, thank you for that. Jinx. That was oh, a love a love letter to New Orleans. Absolutely. That was really Absolutely. Good. And that's, that's not so. only is it a great song, but you it's cramped upon. Hi. It's really bold to write a song about New Orleans, yeah. you know, because it can right. be such a cliche. You know, what's yeah, funny is I wrote the song, song before I realized that it would be bold to write a song about <laughs> New Orleans. I, I mean, I, I was on an airplane writing the lyrics in, in my phone, you know? And the song is, I mean, it's like... So is yeah, Cardi B. It's Cardi B wrote you, uh, you have a girlfriend? No, I that, don't. That's how you get one. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is it, is it a beautiful song, but you have a beautiful voice. Yeah, that's a very shocking beautiful voice. part Thanks. of the whole equation, yeah. isn't and it? And I mean, bear in mind, you know, like all these songs, and that's like sort of the pre and post New Orleans thing, like moving here is that 
I write all these songs alone on my bed, but I play with a, an eight, nine-piece band. You right, know? there's so, horns. And, yeah, there's yeah, horns. And it's, it's a whole it's, different thing. It's, it's a rock band. It's a super high-energy show. Um, and we're playing a night. Tonight is the last night of our residency at the Maple Leaf in oh, August. Oh, great. Um, so tonight's going to be the full band. We got horns. Um, tr- our trumpet player plays uh, with Chawa, who's been having a really great summer touring yeah, all over the country. Um, got Rob Kellner playing keys. He's uh, the keyboardist in Miss Mojo. Um, what time is this gig, if we happen to? Uh, it starts at 10 o'clock. We have a okay. really great opener. Um, you going to take a nap between now and then? Or are you nah, just going to go straight so. through? I don't think so. Uh, are you a nap person? He just woke oh, up. I'm totally a nap person, but I, you know, I'm going to have to... <laughs> I would have to run <laughs> home and, and uh, grab, all my, grab all my stuff, get it in my car, and get to the Maple Leaf. Hey, listen, so. we're going to take a very, very quick break here. And when we come back, I, I want to ask you this question. Kenny, yeah. I got this bio of yours here, and this is, the, this is the sentence. Kenny retired from a bicycle racing after a serious crash in 2015 and immediately took up acting. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about that for a sentence? So we'll be right back in just a moment. And we're back on Happy Hour with Rachel Dangermond, Aaron Benjamin, and Kenny Bellow. And before the break, Kenny, I said I was going to come back and make you explain this sentence, which was, Kenny retired from bicycle racing after a serious crash in 2015 and immediately took up acting, well, which is a strange decision. First of all, tell us about the crash. Well, one more mark on the bedpost of, uh, of jobs that I've had. Yeah, acting, yeah, but tell us about the crash. <laughs> what happened? That sounds spectacular. So there's a... Um, there's... Cycling is a tough man sport. Like it's it's um, there, there's a meme on the internet where you've got these soccer players who who almost get hit and they fall down and flop around, and it's like and they say, "Oh, I'm hurt." Like faking and it, it. Yeah, I'm, uh, but the, the soccer player is saying, "Oh, I'm hurt." Stuff. And then in cycling, the guy is crashed. He's fallen into a barbed wire fence. He's broken his collarbone, and he gets back on his bike. He says, "I'm not hurt." All right. And, uh, That's a and, real man sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I, I kind of lived like that. I, 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 I always, and I ran the team like that too. You know, it was just, it was just like, I don't care if you have a flat tire. We are going to win this race. That, that's the attitude you have to take. We're going to get to the finish line. And um, that's why we have steroids. <laughs> well, so uh, you know, I'm getting in the twilight of my years in racing. I'm in my 40s. The, the last big race I did, they introduced me as the oldest rider in the race <laughs> by 10 years. Wow. And uh, yeah, so um, but this was a this was a big local race here. It was up in in St. Francisville. It's called Rouge Roubaix, and my teammate he rides up next to me and he says um, he says, "Hey man, you're you're working too hard at the front. Let's come to the back. Come sit in the draft for a little bit." And we're working our way to the back, and I hit a pothole that I didn't see. My handlebars cracked, and I just landed you know face first onto the asphalt with a friend of mine piling on top of me. Um, wow. Anyway, in 30 years of racing, I'd never broken a bone. I had a bunch of crashes. I'd never broken a bone. But that crash, you know, I'd, I'd broken two or three bones in my hand and uh, separated my labrum and my shoulder. And, and, yeah. and the guy who landed on top of me hit me in the shoulder blade. So he broke my shoulder blade in two places. And, um, you know, wow. it, was a, it was a learning experience. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it stung so a little. So there's potholes in um, St. Francisville as well. Oh, yeah, there's the worst roads ever. And that's, and that's what, the reason I brought up cycling be a, being a tough man sport. It's, it's playing football um, in Soldier Field when it's snowing. You know, that's what a lot of cycling is. The harder the course, the nastier the conditions, they're going to race. And, and they want to see who's, who's first on that day. So, uh, 
um, this was that kind of race, and man, I you know I just landed on my head. And did it, you know then it, that it was all over for you? I I kind of did because you know I was I was 47 years old. I was you know how old are you now? I'm 51. Wow, yeah. you look pretty good. What's the surprise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. shocking. His, his entire face has been redone yeah. after that accident. Yeah. Lots, yeah. Lots of, I have a good plastic surgery. Yeah, um, no, I um, I don't know. Um, I, I try not to stress myself about things. That's so, the secret? No stress. I, I don't know. My grandfather lived to be still? 101, and he still okay. had some dark hair in his, he- his Are head. Are you serious? So, well, are you yeah. working out? Do you, do you still stay fit? I have a three-year-old. Sick of that. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's enough. Okay. But, uh, so, so, yeah, to get okay. into acting. So, so, so um, you had a crash. You, you realize you can't get back on the bike now, despite yeah. all the heroics of the last 30 years of racing, because you're finally too hurt. Yeah. And so you think... What else could I do, I wonder? Well... Could be a tour guide. <laughs> Take people around restaurants in New Orleans. Could, could be a could have done anything. commercial real estate agent. Yeah. You still had your commercial real estate agent license? No. No, I'd given up that before. Last. And, I, and I, uh, in between then, I was uh, buying and selling houses. So I was flipping houses on my own. Okay. But um, So anyway, the way this whole thing started, I... Uh, I when I was 17, my dad was a, a, a radio executive. And in New he, Orleans? In New Orleans here. What he, station he, uh, was he? WSMB. WSMB, uh-huh. 1350. 1350 on what your radio dial. What did he do? Nothing, Jeff. He was the uh, sales manager and then ended up being the, the general manager for a short the time. The general manager of WSMB. Yeah. All you right. know, AM radio in the 80s, yeah. no, nobody was making money. <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a, a sinking ship. So, um, but anyway, he... Um, there was this advertising executive that, that said, you know, your son needs to be in acting or modeling or whatever, and... So I followed. So you, were, you were an actor, model, whatever, back in the day in the eighties, AMW. And, and um, when That's I was seventeen, so I went to New York to try to pursue that career as a model. Yeah. At seventeen years old. Yeah. You left New Orleans. Yeah. What high school were you going to? Brother Martin. You were going yeah. to Brother Martin. I graduated high and then I left. Okay. Yeah. And you went so. to New York to become a model. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, okay. It, it didn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that exactly entail when you when you get um, off the plane and you say hi? I'm a model I, in New York City. Do I you, don't know you because the I never really or? became one. You know. So well, how was, did you uh, try? What, what well, was the plan? there was so well. I, I was hooked up with a, with an agent here who hooked me up with an agent there, and you know she was sending me out on calls and stuff. Were you super good looking or? I, what was the angle? Evidently, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the angle? I mean, uh, you know, it, you well, know, why'd they well, think you I, of all well, the kids what, that Brother Martin would have a career? Well, what I wanted to do was get into acting. So my dad, my dad knew this, and and but I was a I was an ADD kid. I, they would have put me on Riddle and had it existed in 1986, and because um, I I just couldn't pay attention to anything. So. Um, my Were you was, smoking weed? No, I, I've never touched a drug in my life. So oh, today um, could be the day because Aaron happens. To... <laughs> <laughs> is that right? I was a contractor. I used to build houses, so uh, yeah. And, and somebody was very surprised that I didn't smoke weed. But uh, um, but Especially anyway, if you had ADD back in the day before there was, I don't know, man. Bikers you know, though, that's an intense. That's an intense deal. Bikers, swimmers, runners. You know, I mean, that's just such a daily. Yeah. Grind. Like, yeah. I, I, grind. I do understand never touching anything because, I mean, yeah, it, it, you're, you're just, that, just well, you're, terri- you're yeah. terrified of what it's going to do to you, right. you know, and, and what's going to be the, the adverse effects when you stop, right. you know, for this weekend. I'm going to stop for a couple of weeks, is, you know, I'm going to die. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, uh, so, okay, so, yeah, so who is your agent in New York? Oh, uh, this lady named Carol Conover. And, um, so uh, what did you know yeah. her? 
Kong <laughs> over right there is a bit risky. And did she tell you I'm going to make you a millionaire? And no, you're going to be on the cover no, no, no. She told me, she said, you need to go back home and go to LSU <laughs> no. and enroll in acting classes. And then, okay. then you're going you're gonna to do something with yourself. And so I followed that advice with the LSU. But we were so broke at the time. I rode my bike from New Orleans to LSU. And I did that every other weekend or so. Wait, wait, wait. You Come rode on. from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. Yeah. For class, not every day, but uh, every other week or so, I'd come home on my bike, yeah, with a backpack. I remember the, the <laughs> half mile ride from my two lane apartment to Newcomb Hall, feeling like a, a marathon on yeah. Monday mornings. Yeah, that was because you it's an hour and a half you drive. How long your of a bike voice, right? It's, How long so of a bike ride? Is where that? we lived, an hour in, and a half drive. Where, where we lived in, um, where we lived, we lived in New Orleans East, so it was about 125, 130 miles. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, something like that. Just going from New Orleans east to the other side of New Orleans to get on. The, so how do you do yeah. it on River Road? River Road, yeah. Because, you, you know, Airline class, Highway like, was just full of 18-wheelers. And you're just and showing up to class, like, so, yeah, sweating was, oh, in, just in wiped a yellow, out, you know, tight and, spandex and, biker costume, yeah. you know? And in awful, awful condition, too. Just hungry, dehydrated. Um, how long would this trip take? Unable to pay attention. Oh, you know, 135 miles by yourself is a good seven or eight hours, you know? It's, it's all day. Okay. Yeah, it's an all-day event. And I tore my Achilles tendon each doing way. that one time. Yeah, each way. Yeah. I wouldn't, do, do it I wouldn't come day. home. I wouldn't come home on Saturday and leave Saturday evening. I would, I would come home on, on Friday or Saturday and then go up wow. Sunday morning. Yeah. And um, this is because you were so poor that you couldn't even afford no, to go on the bus? No, I really liked riding a bike. And you enjoyed yeah. it? Yeah, really liked riding a bike. Okay. So, and, was, um, so I got was... really good at it really fast, and then I ended up on this team. And, um, and the whole time, I was thinking, I really want to be an actor. And then next thing you know, I was... Are you I serious? Was, They're yeah. thinking the whole time that you're riding a bicycle from New I Orleans was, East you know, to I, Baton Rouge. I, and the back of your mind is going over and over, I wish I was an actor. Yeah. And then I ended up in Europe racing and racing over there. And then I'm I still thinking, a, I wish I was an actor. All the, the whole time. Yeah. And then I was... Pedals are going around and around and around instead mm-hmm. of thinking, I, yes, I know I can, I know I can. You're thinking, I want to be an actor. Yeah. Well, well you know, in are cycling... Are you saying yes to that, really? And, yeah. Okay. In, in cycling, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you have a second job because it doesn't pay very well. So uh, I kept thinking, you know, I really, I, I, and I, didn't, I didn't have an avenue to get into acting, but it was always in the back of my okay. mind. And, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm 40. Uh, I'm in my 40s. Uh, I'm getting introduced as the oldest guy in the field. And, and uh, my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I got, so my dad told me one time, if you don't figure out what you want to be in life, you're going to be... You know, twenty years behind all your friends, and you know. And was he I, still a salesperson at an AM radio station? Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, so I'm. I got married at forty six. I had a baby at forty eight. Um, so I'm twenty years behind everybody and everything. So, uh, and I got into acting at forty nine, fifty. And, uh, and how? So, how did you break into acting at fifty years old? Well, Most people are getting out at fifty, saying there's no roles because my, I'm too old. My lovely and brilliant wife is a, she's a, she's a heck of a salesperson herself. She's an accountant, and uh, one of her clients is an acting coach, Armando Leduc, and he's a brilliant guy. He could quote stuff out of books you've never heard of, and and just just run the whole paragraph, you know. And uh, so I started taking his acting classes, and 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 um, you know just just getting beaten down by him you know every week okay. and acting coaches are rough because they dig I mean they're worse than a psycho- psychiatrist I mean they really they're trying to make you feel you. bad or trying to, make trying to make you get you in touch with your yeah, yeah they're emotions. trying to make you get in touch and um, from him he got me in touch with this young uh, smart director named Paul Dale who put me in a 
a commercial, and uh, then I was in a couple other commercials. What and commercial some, were you in? Uh, the Bobby A. Bears commercial. I say Bobby A. Bears. If, uh, <laughs> if, if when it's my night to cook, I go to Bobby A. Bears. So I, put, I poured on, I poured on the, I poured on the New Orleans accent. Something my dad hated. He hated the New Orleans accent. So uh, are you the voice on the radio ads too? I'm not sure. I haven't heard a radio ad. Okay. I might be. Do you get residuals yeah. for this? No. No. no, you no. just get paid one time. You yeah. don't do the thing. Oh, yeah. This is well, New Orleans. Ripped off there. Do, you, do you have an agent now? There's no New Orleans. There's really? no residuals in New Orleans. Okay. No. Not for anything. Okay, so you're, in a, so you're doing a commercial. You did this commercial with Bobby Abears, which is what exactly? Yeah. A restaurant? Yeah, yeah. It's a re- Cajun well, Bobby Can. A Cajun Can, right. exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then the director of that commercial, about a year later, he, he writes me and says, man, I... Um, I wrote this movie and uh, with you in mind as the lead. I said, well, what's the lead? He goes, well, he's kind of like a 50-year-old loser. I'm like, excuse uh, me? <laughs> nice. It's nice. a double-edged sword there. Yeah, okay. So uh, I didn't have to audition or anything for it. He so, wrote um, a movie for you on the basis of one commercial you did for him. I guess so. He said, he okay. said you're, you're perfect for this. Uh, I don't want to find anybody else. You're, you're the one I want. And um, Yeah, I've, I've never heard that from a woman. <laughs> and were you nervous when someone told you finally your dream could come true and you could be an actor in a movie? Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't nervous at all until our first scene. We, we filmed a lot of this in Slim Goodies uh, at night. And, um, it's a diner on Magazine Street. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is a young actor. He's in his 20s. A young director. He's in his 20s. But he hired, like, serious, serious hitters for actors. And these... these these actors came in with their A game, and the first scene I watched, I was like, I, I, I am, I am out of my league. I am, I don't know what I'm doing here. I had to call uh, my buddy Armando, the coach, and he said, he's like, you got this, you got this, you're okay, you're gonna be okay, dude. It's gonna be okay. And uh, so was it okay? In fact? It was, it was okay. Yeah, you know, this is this was a tough role because this is a movie with no dialogue in it. What? It's got no dialogue in it. It's got no words in it. It's 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 we should try doing somewhat a podcast artsy. Like this. Yeah, there's no dog <laughs> at all. You just have it's, to. So we're telling mime. the story, almost miming. Yeah, but it's it's dog day afternoon in a diner. I'm the bad guy. I shoot up everybody. Oh. But you, so the acting is okay. all in your face. Yeah. It's all. So okay. I can't is ask. This an did I do length? did I do that line wrong? Did is this I say a feature length movie? Yeah, it's. So you don't have to remember any long. lines. You just show up and kill people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, showed up and killed people. Do you, do you slit anyone's throat? Or I do. Shoot them in the I do oh, actually. Nice. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A, a police officer. Yeah, I'm, an, I'm the baddest of the bad guys. What so. an interesting decision to write a screenplay with no dialogue. Someone what told Paul Dale that um, they didn't like his last movie because of the dialogue. So he said, "I'll Please. fix you." Ah. Um, anyway, we're sitting. He got his own back. Okay. We're, we're sitting at four stars on Amazon. And, I can, okay, so can we watch this? Yeah, you can watch it now. It's What's called it? Fast Food and Cigarettes. It's on Fast Amazon. Fast Food. Write that down. And Rachel, iTunes. Fast Food and Cigarettes. And uh, Paul Dale. Okay. This is oh, a. It is right. This is a showcase for Paul. Paul. Okay. Paul was and a you by the sound show. of it, if you're the star of this movie, well, uh, I hope so. And you don't get to have uh. to speak at all. <laughs> hey, Aaron, we've got time for another song. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay. You know anything about James Booker? Oh, I don't. We have you to. Know, that's I what we. After the song, we're talking I about. Watch that first. documentary. 
You did um, you're the Bayou up Maharaja? Yeah. We're showing that Friday night for Booker Fest. That's how we're starting Booker it's Fest. It's such wow. an amazing Isn't well it? Lily Kieber film. is so hey, fabulous. Hey, hang on. Booker Fest is this coming weekend. It's Friday. Okay, oh, so we're let's just actually mention the date for anyone who happens to be listening to this yeah. so fr- before. Okay, Friday, August 30th starts Booker Fest. But first... I hate to say this, but this is Friday, August 30th, 2019. If you happen to be listening to this in the future somewhere, you've missed it. But Come to Bay St. Louis. First thing you're going to do is you're going to hit Smith and Lens. They have a gallery show of women of color. Then you're going to walk over to the hall and you're going to see Bayou Maharaja. And we're going to be making po' boys, Chef Chris with the smoking oyster. He's going to do that. And that begins Booker Fest, which the big thing, too, not only is it James Booker that we're honoring. He uh, grew up in Bay St. Louis. But we're going to have primitive camping on site at the Hunterman Hall. Hey, and it's the first better. time they've had camping in historic Bay St. Louis. So. How primitive is it? Tents. Tense, tense. Do you have like a hole in the ground for a toilet? Or? No, we got a toilet. I should have an actual bathroom. Yeah. Okay, so. And then August thirty first is, is all day. Okay, but James Booker is from Bay St. Louis. That he I did not know. He was born in New Orleans, but he was raised in Bay St. Louis, and he okay. also actually went to school there. And he sang with the St. Rose Gospel Choir. I mean, he played with them, and he we actually have the St. Rose Gospel Choir is going to do our Saturday right. morning opening. So tell so. us what just briefly. We'll get to the song right now, Aaron. Sorry about that. But what exactly is? Is it all piano players all weekend or what? Okay, so look, Booker Fest is, we were trying to, you know, I bought the hall. We've had our music. We do music every month. We do something, right? We do a lot of blues. We do jazz. We do lots of different things. But we needed a festival. We needed an annual festival because this is an old place and it needs a lot of maintenance. So we're thinking of a fundraiser, uh, you know, a festival. And James Booker just rolled off the tongue because he's like, is a, what musical genius, you know? Well, they must be the most famous musicians to come out of Bay St. Louis, I would imagine. Well, I mean, he's... Is there anyone he's even, even here? Close? I think that... Well, I really think that he's the most underrated musical genius there is. I mean, there's not a lot of people who know James Booker. Isn't that crazy? Don't well, you Well, there are that? in New Orleans. There, it's for sure. Yeah, I but I mean, it's, it's surprising. But anyway, so it's all about Booker. I mean, that's what we're doing. So we'll start with the Bayou Maharaja. We'll be screening the, the Lily Kieber's documentary. Right. Then the next day, We'll have the gospel choir in the morning, and they're going to do a tribute to James Booker, but there are also going to be some people who were in the choir when he was in the choir, and they'll be talking about that. And then we have um, Alice Anderson, who's the publisher of Shoe Fly Magazine and French Quarter Journal. She's reading an essay because she used to work with him at the Toulouse Theater. And then we have another uh, reading, and then the best part is this sublime piano tribute by Tom McDermott and Josh Paxton. They're going to do a whole Booker tribute. But we're ending the evening with Alexi Marti and uh, three other fabulous musicians, and we're going to have a Cuban dance party. So is that all Booker? Wow. No, we're just, we're going off road. We got some primitive camping. We got a Cuban dance party, Cuban sandwiches. You know, okay. we're just going to have so some fun. Is, so this is, you've put this whole thing together. So yes. you're now, you're now a sort a of bunch a of my promotions volunteers. director I'm, or something. You know what? I'm a one, one woman band. I got the harmonica. Right. I got the guitar. I'm hitting the thing. Yeah. Hit the cymbal. Yeah. So this is a real life-changing it's a, it's thing a, for it's you. It's the most fun in the world. But, you know, I don't do this by myself. I have some, like, incredibly incredible people who work with me. I mean, and they are like, everybody is more amazing. Everybody who works with me is a volunteer. Volunteers. They are multi-talented renaissance men, as you said. So you've I mean, got they, everybody whipped into shape up there. The guy you've, who runs my sound just did my kitchen. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Right. He okay. does sound <laughs> and And he's building tree. the musician's cottage because we're going to do some artist retreats for tired musicians so they can come out, have some downtime, and use the hall for rehearsal and stuff like that and recording if they want. So, no, I mean, it's like 
This is one man who does all of that, right? And he so also helped me cut the, uh, my what, cat's claws, what too. <laughs> really? Right. That's a renaissance, man. Yeah. So you think Scott. this is some sort of a calling that you've had here? Oh, absolutely. No, it was Where do you think it came Grant, from? Grant. When I walked through the door to go look at this hall, like a friend sent me this link, this is where you should do your writer's workshop, this blues hall says for sale. And I thought, why would I want a blues hall? I walked through the door and it was like, Whoa. So what do you, what's your explanation for that? Because the ancestors wanted me there. But do you think this comes from sort of another dimension or what? Because it, it calls up every piece of me, you know right. what I mean? It's like everything. You know, I'm calling on my New Orleans friends who are musicians to come play there. You know, I, I've done events before. You know, I've got my writer's workshop. I also did a lot of work on race and reconciliation and equity here in the city. So I do, you know, we do a Kwanzaa lighting. We did, we, had, we hosted the Martin Luther King commemorative banquet. We did um, uh, uh, selfies with Black Santa. So it's just about, you know, it's, it's and not only that, but I do a, a happy and gay hour. So it's like, I'm, you know, I... You got it all going on. I got it all going and on. Do, we do, do they the think best drag you? brunches. Do, like you have amazing. drag brunches as well. Yeah. And what is what's the perception of you in Bay St. Louis then, as a white woman who owns this historic African American? I have to say like, that do they think I've you're been, crazy and weird, or what? I hope so. I hope they do. Yes, Grant. What do, what is seriously? What is the perception of you? Are you this crazy me, person who's I, come I'm from gonna, New Orleans? I'm going to give you one example. I was talking to a friend of mine at the 7-Eleven or whatever the Shell station. This guy drives up in a red Mercedes. Pulls up and he's getting gas. He goes, I, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Comes walking over, African-American man. He says, there's some people here who think that you, as a white woman, shouldn't have that hall. But I'm telling you, God sent you. God sent you, and that's who it is. You're the one supposed to be in that hall. I said, thank you. We hugged and kissed. and That's pretty much been the way it's been. So there are people who think it's crazy, and there I are people. Know, I don't know those people. people on your side. Well, that, yeah, I mean, like so no another word. He was telling me I hadn't heard myself, but certainly, look, this is a place that was built by and for the black community. So, should a white person be owning it? I, I don't really think so. Well, the I, right white person. Right, and so it's like right, an evolved right person, right. enlightened. I don't you know, whatever. Be, you seem to be the right person. Well, yeah, for now, but I mean, is that you who? Exactly, right. And so, and that's the, that's the thing. So, anyway, let's go. I want to hear your music, <laughs> okay. your beautiful voice again. <laughs> you want some like yeah, some, right. something calm or something rock and roll? What, uh, what do you feel like? What showcases your voice? We have to get out of here in a minute. Right, so, let's, what let's will be something good to go rock out? Imagine okay. this. Imagine this with an eight-piece band. That's what'll be uh, happening okay. tonight. If they're okay. take these headphones off. All right. Don't you know Your daddy's gone Your brother left a while ago rock a mama, lullaby Mama, the demons are gone It's gonna be alright It's gonna be alright Hush a mama, lullaby Mama, let your eyes close Oh, and when they open, know that the world is beautiful. Yeah, rock a bad mama, I'm gonna need to hit the road. This life's so long. This life's so long. 944. 
steal this music anywhere like off Spotify yeah, or? yeah. well can, that song you can that song hasn't been uh, released yet we're okay working on I recorded that can I post that yeah, to my yeah, Facebook yeah. Go page ahead, go ahead. yeah okay and, uh, <laughs> yeah um so there's there's one album that's out that was put sorry I'll get a little closer there's one album uh, that was put out in September of 2017 uh, it does have good morning New Orleans the first the first tune that we played um 
it's crazy because I mean the band is so much original material right now. We're, we're playing three hours at the Maple Leaf tonight. Well, and, three hours. And, and is the band just called you and I, Aaron Benjamin? Yeah, just Aaron Benjamin. Um, and uh, tonight we got a really great opener and Sari Jordan. She's a student at Tulane. She's a singer-songwriter, plays piano, gorgeous voice. And so she's going to be opening the show with a couple tunes, but then also singing some harmonies. Uh, on the first set of our show because we're going to be playing two sets. Okay. Oh, wow. So yeah. you're going to have a big night tonight. Yeah, I'm looking well, forward to for it. thanks for coming down thanks here so much and doing for having this me. this afternoon. Yeah. That's Thank really... you for having me. It's fantastic. So anyway, if we've missed you, we can find your music at Aaron Benjamin Music. Yep, Aaron Benjamin Music on, on uh, Instagram and okay. Facebook, um, on Spotify, if you just search Aaron Benjamin. Right. Um, and that, that's how to find us. And we're going to be putting out a lot of stuff in All the right. next year. So. Hey, before we go any further, i got to tell you about the Positive Vibrations Foundation who create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture, and heritage who made today's show possible along with Basics on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue where they sell fine lingerie and Basics Swim and Gym has a full range of fashion swimsuits and yoga workout clothes with style as well. And if you'd like to be a member of our Patreon family, you can go to patreon.com and search for It's New Orleans Happy Hour. And for as little as one single solitary dollar, you can be a member of our Happy Hour family and get exclusive stuff that other ordinary people can't get. Maybe we could post that video that you shot. Today. I certainly will. That's a good idea. And um, thank you very much, you guys, for, for being here. So B- Book of Fest is this weekend yeah. at the 100 Men Hall yeah, in Bay St. Louis. That our, yes. um, our, our website is the 100 Men Hall, T-H-E-100 the 100 Men Hall. Hall. Okay, we'll com. put a link to it on our thank you. It's New Orleans Appreciate website it. page as well. Rachel Dangerman, thank you very much thank for coming for back. Thank you for having me back. So That's we'll so see fun. you again in 2023. Uh, yeah, maybe four months instead of four years. Four, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go for a little bit quicker. And Aaron Benjamin from AaronBenjaminMusic.com. We'll see you again, I hope, soon. I'm so pleased you. to be able to introduce you to everybody because it's shockingly This is This is great. Thank you for having me. I've been, I've been listening to the show, um, and, and I, I love what y'all are about. So. Well, great. Thanks it's great to me. have you. Thank you so much for being here. And Kenny Bello. I guess we'll see you at the Academy Awards in the special, <laughs> in the special section for non-dialogue. We're on ESPN. Are you looking for more? Are you looking for more movie roles, or are Absolutely. you in more movies? Who isn't? Or yeah. What's going on? Do you? Yeah. I, are you going to be in something? So else? the same director has another role for me, uh, okay. leading. It's got dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one has dialogue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well we look forward mm-hmm. to seeing that. And Bello, if you're looking for you, is spelled B-E-L-L-A-U. B-E-L-L-A-U. We're All ten right. generations in Orleans Parish. Ten. Yeah, ten. You're ten. 10th generation you are my so my great niece is 10th generation I mean wow okay well that's a pretty good note to end on yeah. thank you all for being here everybody that's been happy hour for another week the producer of our show is Graham DuPonte Monique Pyle is our music producer and April Schulf also helped out today Christian Unruh is our music consultant Thomas Walsh is our technical director and Asher Griffith is our Facebook live feed director and if you haven't seen this on Facebook you can go and watch this entire thing by going to New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page and see Ash's handiwork. This whole thing has been videoed. Our fact checker and social media connector is Andrew Searock. Searock, our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit upright for about 60 minutes while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, it's neworleans.com. You can also check out many other happy hours we've made before this one, as well as other shows you make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death called Death the Podcast. 
You can find other great Louisiana podcasts as well at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on a bunch of time-sucking social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on all of it. We're called It's New Orleans, and you can find photos from the show on itsneworleans.com and on our New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page and on Instagram as well. These photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur, and you can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. If you listen to this on your favorite podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. If you've got a share option on that podcast app, try telling a couple of friends about Happy Hour. This show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Andrew Duhon is on the road. He'll be back here in a couple of weeks. If you're looking for him, you can find him on andrewduhon.com and see if he's in a town near you somewhere. Meanwhile, for everybody around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour. Thank you.